the queen is considered the most important piece in a game of chess. I mean, sure, the game is ultimately decided by who takes the king, but the king can only move one square at a time. The queen can sail across the whole board in many directions. That enables her to move stealthily and suddenly. Losing the queen, unless she is purposely sacrificed, is usually tantamount to losing the game. In today's episode of For Such a Time as This, we will see how God begins moving his queen into position. Hello and welcome back to Storming the Gates, where we are currently going through the book of Esther in a series titled For Such a Time as This. And wow, what a time it is. Yesterday, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in as a Supreme Court Justice. As I watched last night, something was just kind of stirring in me. And I felt like I was watching a modern-day Esther take her place in the court of law. I hope to speak on that very soon. Well, on Tuesdays, I'm going to endeavor to have a new podcast on the Book of Esther's. And on Friday, I am going to host a show on prophetic prayer, starting with a series on the elements of prayer. I'm really looking forward to diving into that with you. Storming the Gates can now be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Attic, as well as the website stormingthegates.net. Listen in, subscribe, leave a review, and comment. I will be thrilled to get some feedback and get to know you better. It is funny. I've been hearing the phrase for such a time as this everywhere I turn lately. At first I thought it's obviously just coming up because these pre-election days are making everyone aware of the importance of the hour we live in. And that is true. But it was weird because I would just happen to tune in to a live prayer feed or a video or a show on TV or open a book, and there would be that phrase. Well, then, the other night, I was relaxing, and a friend sent me a link to a worship service that was on live on on the mall in Washington, D.C., I happened to tune in right as Lou Engel began sharing a dream in which he met a woman in a field who was teaching through the book of Esther. I don't know what woman that Lou saw, but I very much felt like God saw me and that he said, you're doing what I want you to do. Keep going. And it is my prayer that this podcast is playing a role in part of God's great chessboard of life. And that's what this series is about. It's about knowing God has a move, a move that you are going to make that will affect the world. Sometimes we have to sit still and watch the pawns move forward or a rook that will slide horizontally. God is well aware of the board and he has an important plan for you. Well, let's read the next portion of Esther and see how God set up the chessboard, so to speak, in Esther's time. We last left Esther as the king's officers are carrying her away from the life she once knew with her adopted father, Mordecai, who is also her cousin, and he stands afar off mourning his loss. Let's open now to chapter 2, verses 8 through 18, where it says, And so it was when the king's command and decree were heard, And when many young women were gathered at Sushan the citadel under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. 
Now, the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. By the way, that is a key, which we will talk about in a coming broadcast. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation, according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfume and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the woman's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the woman, to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go in to the king unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihal, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, hmm, 10th month here in America, October, which is the month of Tabeth in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the Feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. All righty, you see what's happening here. She's experiencing divine favor. Favor is when the doors open before you in ways that surprise and even astonish you. It feels as though God has rearranged the entire universe just to make sure you are at a certain place at a certain time. And part of this divine favor favor is Esther's obedience. Esther clearly demonstrates humility and restraint as she follows the instructions given her by Haggai um, and by Mordecai also. There is certainly much to be said about her inner beauty. This is what 1 Peter 3, 4 called the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Certainly, there were many young ladies competing in this odd, real-life bachelorette show. Yet everywhere Esther goes, she stands out. The chamberlains adore her and grant her the best places, best care, best maidens. Years ago, I went to a women's retreat with a number of good friends from the church I attended at the time. It was a gathering of a number of churches. They all combined together. Um, they were small churches, but together we were able to make a really nice event. The very first evening, there was a singer on the worship team, and I, I couldn't take my eyes off of her. I couldn't figure out what was so special about her. 
She was pleasant and she sang well, but I felt drawn to her as though I knew her, even though I did not know her. After the service, I shared that odd feeling with my friends. To my astonishment, all of them felt the same way. The next morning, this gal was talking to one of my church friends. Where are you from? The mysterious singer asked my friend. Calvary Chapel, Ramona, she replied. Really? The singer immediately gushed. I have been praying about moving to Ramona and going to that church. My friends and I were amazed. God had somehow tuned us in and and, and caused us to turn our attention to a girl who was praying about joining our fellowship. Well, long story short, encouraged by our enthusiasm, this girl moved to Ramona and within the year was soon an integral part of the body of believers there. And this is what I picture that people felt when Esther walked into the courtroom. Oh, yes, she was stunning. But a girl needs more than good looks to win the final rose when there's 400 other beauty contestants. And yes, she had poise and charm. She definitely shined from the inside out. And those things all play a part in preparing her for this moment. And yet, there was something more. And we'll just call it the God factor. Because above all, God drew people's attention to her. He made them stop and stare and feel like she was meant to have a special place in their life. I don't know how he does that. I guess it's the same way that we feel something deeper, more powerful and magnetic towards our own children. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. It says, that God predestined us to adoption of sons in Jesus Christ. Well, that means you are handpicked by God to be adopted into his family. Even while you live as a foreigner on the soil of this earth, he has a special place and he has special care to give you. When you walk close to God, closed doors are going to open miraculously. God is going to set you up with the right people in the right place, at the right time. Most of the time, we don't even know it. Although sometimes it's obvious. Actually, that event I watched the other night uh, was led by worship leader Sean Fout. And he was sharing that he planned the worship event in Washington, D.C. over a year ago. Well, this is a man who 20 years ago made a commitment to pray for abortion to be abolished in America and to think that the event was held the Sunday before the Supreme Court justice would be voted on. It just kind of blew his mind. Like, who could have known that? In the same way, when Jonathan Kahn planned his event, and he called it The Return, he said he didn't know that nobody could know that it was going to fall on the actual day, the Jewish calendar called Shabbat Shuvah. That means the Sabbath of return. Oh, I could tell so many stories about God doing things like that for myself and for others. And I would love to hear your story if you have one. I bet when you look back, you can see that he has done that for you. There's a fantastic promise in Zechariah 3 verse 7 that Esther proved to be true. It says there, if you walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, 
Then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these that stand by. He is moving the pieces around because he knows exactly where he wants to place each son and daughter in his kingdom. Right now, right now, he is setting you up and he has a place for you. All righty, let's pray into that place right now. God, I thank you. I thank you for those that are listening today. I thank you for the Esters that are out there, that you are moving into positions of authority. I thank you for the Mordecais that are out there, that you are moving in position to walk around the walls and pray. Lord, I thank you for those that are there to serve, to love, to care. God, you have a place for each of us, and it is important. And I ask in the times when we feel obscure and unknown, that we'll just cling closer to you, draw near to you, fall deeper in love with you, Lord, because you know exactly what you're doing. Make that truth a reality to us. I pray, God, that we will see those divine appointments. We'll meet those people that we are meant to meet. God, that we will indeed be obedient to you and that we will keep your requirements. And your word tells us that you, we will govern your house. We will have charge of your courts as we come into the courts of heaven and we declare that America will be saved. Thank you, God. You're awesome. All right. God bless you. Look forward to having you back. Remember, Friday we'll be doing a podcast, the beginning of a series on the elements of prayer. We'll meet you back here Tuesday for such a time as this.